0: And sir, good, morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. You are listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site live in the library with the Studios. In the house today, Committee of sponsored show Warp Wolf Radio, where every Wednesday morning between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. Eastern Time, Dr. Mark Echo Herald HB Bell. Talks about uh, issues that might be influenced by your faith, by this Christian belief that we walk in. And uh, Dr. Mark, what's happening, man?
1: Oh, it's great to be here again this week. Uh, last week we had such a tremendous program down at the Indiana State House. Uh, great time down there, interviewing all kinds of reps and senators. Uh, great opportunity down there and Of course, uh, this week we have another great opportunity to uh, do what uh, is going to be happening here in this particular month, the State of the Union address. So we kind of pattern ourselves after that and call this the state of the Church in Indianapolis. And every year, for the last uh, three years now, we've been asking pastors to come in from around Indianapolis to introduce themselves to us and to each other, and then, of course, to the community at large, and uh, we're going to be asking them general questions about what they're doing in Indianapolis, the good that they're doing, which is the basis for our show, Do Good, Do Good, Do Good.
0: Absolutely, and uh, a lot of times the church and pastors are misunderstood, so we want to make sure. Uh, that this message is conveyed properly through you, by you, for you. So what we're going to do is take a break. We have one of our other pastors coming in the house and uh, want to come back and make sure that uh, we have all the pastors uh, present when we make the introduction. We're going to come back after we take a little break and uh, let you know what's happening in the state of the church. This is Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site. We are
1: back, Move Radio, and radio the Google group site. Uh, we are just thrilled this morning to have four pastors in the house, and uh, we're going to go around the table here and have them introduce themselves uh, to you all. And then kind of give, uh, after that, we're going to give a, a baseline uh, background to what our interest is for this particular day. Uh, but you are tuned in to the State of the Church in Indianapolis, and this is our show that we've done for the last three years in pastors from around Indianapolis who are doing good, and their ministries uh, are being uh, shown around Indianapolis as well as to each other. They get to meet each other sometimes for the first time, uh, which is true again this morning. So uh, we're going to go around the table and give a general sense of who's here. So uh, why don't we start over here with our brother, Shalman.
2: Shalman Rafford. I uh, serve at the Little Bethel uh, Missionary Baptist Church as the senior lead pastor there. been there for... Soon to be three years, uh, doing a good work there with uh, collaborative work through the Crosstown Neighborhood Association uh, and also making partnerships with other neighborhood mm-hmm. associations like Mapleton Fall
3: Creek and others uh, near our church neighborhood.
1: That's great, yeah. We're really glad that you're here today. Thanks for joining us. Yes, sir.
3: Nathan Ludville at Castleview Church in Castleton. Uh, I've been there. About six years I was an associate pastor, and then a few months ago just transitioned to be the senior pastor there.
1: Mm. Yeah, we're glad to have you here, Nathan. Thanks for joining us today. Roger, you are up. Roger Williams. I'm
4: pastor of New City Church on the east side of Indy in the Irvington area. We've uh, been there a long time. We moved in at the end of 2002 to begin contact work to plant the church, and, well, now it's a church.
1: It's great. Yeah. yeah, we're glad you're there. Absolutely. Mm. My brother.
5: Thanks, Mark. I'm Clyde Posler. I'm the pastor of the Antioch uh, Missionary Baptist Church, 704 East 32nd Street, uh, in the heart of Indianapolis uh, at 32nd College or 32nd in uh, Fall Creek. Uh, I had the privilege of of, uh, uh, meeting Mark through, uh, uh, well, actually, we were on on a panel uh, talking about the disparity in uh, health um, resources for uh, uh, minority groups and and so, um, and as well as, uh, my good friend HB, the radio voice. Listen, I, uh, we, we, we're trying to do several things to, uh, deal with some of the challenges in, in, um, the, uh, urban America and urban, uh, uh, Indianapolis. Uh, we're working with, uh, Red Alliance, uh, Pink Forever. We're also working with an organization, both uh, Pastor Rafferty and I both work with a, an organization uh, entitled uh, Union District Association of Baptist Churches, and it's an outreach arm of uh, within our denomination. And uh, there at the Ministry of Antioch, we, we're dealing with a lot of the challenges uh, that face um, urban America uh, for youth, uh, uh, health crises, financial uh, 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 literacy, and, and things like that. So this... Um, this effort that uh, started by dr. Eccles here is just tremendous, and i 'm glad to be a part of it
1: we 're really glad for all of your uh, presence here and and Clyde, I wanted to uh, just come back to you for a minute because you and I are doing something uh, quite unique here, I think in Indianapolis, and that is that uh, we are beginning a partnership actually on this radio show. Uh, we are going to be doing a co hosting event uh, here. Uh, through Warp and Wolf Radio and, uh, one of the big issues for us at, uh, at Cominius is to draw communities together and with special interest and special attention to drawing black and white leaders together. And so uh, Dr. Clyde Posley and I will be uh, spending some time together with you all uh, from week to week uh, talking about some very important issues, just as we have been. uh, But we'll be sharing the microphone uh, from here on out in various ways. And so, uh, Clyde, thanks for doing this with us. We're grateful to have your presence here.
5: I am honored to have even been uh, uh, approached about it. Uh, You're such a heavy hitter. And uh, so I'm just... I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm looking forward to we we share the same vision, and uh, all say we share the same vision. We believe that the 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 diversity can become grandly pleasing to God if the church mm. is is involved mm. if the grace of God that's designed to tear down racial walls uh can happen in a more evident way if we use the scripture and and there we agree that there. Uh, It's not, it's not politics. It's not, uh, the primary job of government to heal the city. It is the church. And it is the love of God that, that transforms people. We agree there. That's what we're doing. Absolutely. We start from common ground,
1: which is the scriptures, and everything else arises out of that. So we're really, really pleased about this partnership. Uh, I wanted to go around the table then uh, and give, I wanted each of you to kind of give us a general summary. I mentioned this in the, in the introduction, the State of the Union message that we hear from the president. Uh, I wanted you each summarize how you see the state of the church Perhaps universally and then locally, you can deal with that however you would like. Uh, this is it ends up being kind of a free-for-all, in a sense, that you get to say whatever it is that, that you would like to say, obviously from a Christian point of view. Roger, why don't we start with you, uh, your general take on the state of the church, universal or local?
4: Uh, you know, it's funny, just sitting around a table like this reminds you how limited perspective you have, because I meet two brothers that I've never met before, uh, and so... I don't really know how much my take on the local state of the church is helpful. <laughs> Here's what I see. Um, I'm actually generally pretty encouraged in some ways just because of the what we're involved with at both. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm part of a startup seminary here in town, Indianapolis Theological Seminary, which is uh, uh, Protestant, conservative, Bible-based master's degree education. Indy was the largest metro area in the country without an evangelical graduate offering, and that is being addressed. We do some work with a group called the Gospel Coalition as well, which we've seen some some growth in. Um, and I think that uh, w- another thing that I've just been encouraged by in the last couple of years is, as as well as in the rest of the country. The church is, I think, the church sort of local, is beginning to talk about race and the gospel in a more frequent and occasionally more helpful way. I don't know. It's always more helpful. But it's definitely more frequent, and that, I think, is, is good. Hmm. Universal, I don't know how you measure universal church health <laughs> other than like in 250-year increments. Hmm. Um, and by that measure, I'm very encouraged as, as Mark knows, as I've spoke his church before, that at, at about the year 100, about 1 in 1,000 people would identify with Christ in some way. At 1,000 A.D., that was about 1 in 300, and about 2,000 A.D., that's 1 in 3. Hmm. By any means of growth, that is breathtaking. Hmm. So, Jesus apparently is still committed to building his church, and that's as much as I guess I'd be comfortable saying about the universal church.
1: No, that's great. It's going in the
4: right direction. It's going in the right <laughs> direction. In spite of us a lot of times. So. <laughs>
1: well, we're grateful for the data. That's uh, that's an important data piece right there. Thanks for that. Uh, Nathan, how would you respond to those questions?
3: Well, Mark, I'm, I appreciate you wanting to glean from my several months on the job. So I'm going to give you everything I got. And that should take about 90 seconds. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't, like Roger, I feel like I have a very narrow vantage point in many ways, and so I'm eager to learn from everybody around the table. Uh, I'm encouraged in my five or six years here in Indianapolis. It seems like in my circles, there's a growing desire to collaborate. There's a growing desire to say, hey, who are brothers who we can partner with, even if we're not working hand-in-hand hand, day by day, uh, but we're on the same team. Uh, you know, I think of one way that I've personally experienced that is other churches or other pastors calling or shooting me an email and saying, we've got some former members of yours and they've shown up here. How can we best care for them? Well, that I think shows there's not a territorial mindset. Mm-hmm. There's a, Hey, we're here for these people. We're here to do the mission that Christ has, has given us. And when, when we partner like that together, I'm encouraged and I'm, I'm helped because I, I know how better to, to care for those. So we've tried to imitate that and try to have open conversations, not competing for sheep. Mm. But caring together for sheep. Mm. Uh, so that's just one area where I've been encouraged recently.
1: That's a great area to be encouraged in partnership, collaboration. Man, that I I couldn't say anything better than that. Uh, Shalman, uh, you uh, too have been in India a short period of time, kind of like Nathan. In that sense of things, tell us a little bit about uh, what you see in terms of the locale and then perhaps the universal church.
2: Our church is located in a trend. our church is located in a transitional neighborhood. Uh, pastoring in an urban context, I think can sometimes be different than pastoring, say, um, establish strong neighborhoods. Um, our church can make a connection to a family and in six months they move out of state or, or move to the other side of town. And They may not have a phone, and so it's difficult to keep and maintain strong connections. Um, with that being said, um, our church, our local church is growing I would consider it to be a relatively strong church mm. um, black pastors also I would say um, have to look at if they're going to be strong pastors that can preach to a diverse group have to look at the national scene mm. of the church uh, and uh, I would say that while I, I have hope for the body of Christ From an eschatological place
5: Because
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to win We already know what the end yeah, go. is going to be I, I would say nationally mm. The American church Is somewhat in trouble um, Particularly with uh, The evangelical choice Largely I'm not speaking necessarily Of our local pastor here today Just met them But from a national scene The evangelical church In many ways Is uh, Putting a black eye On what Many will consider the Core message of the bible Mm -hmm. to be With regards to Inclusivity um, uh, Forgiveness Justice Um, freedoms those kinds of things Um, I I think you have especially from a scholarly side of black preaching I I think you would want to we want to see um, true unity which which includes real reconciliation not just unity that puts us in the same building worshipping together Mm -hmm. but also building
1: the communities it's an important word you have here about reconciliation and building the community that's a huge issue for all of us yes, and these uh these baseline concepts that you bring across about forgiveness and reconciliation and the need for justice and freedom all these things ring for all of us to be true and when you mention scholarship i gotta give a nod to the man sitting to my left over here the scholarship in the black community dr claude plosley how would you respond to this mm-hmm. doctor
5: with a chuckle <laughs> yes i am i'm I'm impressed with all the the comments around the table um you know the, the, getting back to the question uh, you know what I think the state of the church is locally university i i think uh we we need to consider a a matrix some type of um uh, some type of uh criteria by which we can uh fairly consider. And judge in the sense of discern, um, and l- let me go at it from this perspective. Uh, as Christians, we we know that the Bible is our structures, our matrix. What what do we? How close is the church to the church that Jesus built uh, originally? Mm-hmm. Let's take a look, for example, and and uh, the fir- the first action required of the church, directed by the Holy Spirit. After the day of Pentecost, recently I preached to a group of Baptist ministers at a, at a, at an alliance installation, and my subject was good leadership in a bad situation. And one of the things, one of the tenets of that message was that this, the first miracle of the church, not on, not the day of Pentecost, but the first directed miracle of the church, Jesus brought two antithetical preachers together to the church, to the, to the synagogue, which the church house at that time, to deal with a, a poor, disabled man who had trouble choosing who to connect with in order, uh, to be, life to be fulfilled. And so, how, how, uh, let's fast forward to 2018. How well are we ministering? How, how, how serious is that focus for the church? Uh, we because the church exists f- for conditions that God can heal to glorify himself uh when we when we the church has to be judged in my opinion based on how well it is dealing with the least the poorest mm-hmm. the most disenfranchised uh because uh, or or the the most vulnerable in a society how well do we um minister to the needs how likely is Medicare to continue to exist? How likely uh, are we to keep uh, 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 as many people as possible insured? Uh, how, how how well is the relationship between uh, law enforcement and 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 people, not just black people, not but 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 or black or white people, but people? And so the church is supposed to be, in my opinion, the leader of that because God does not talk to people. About ministry, who are not a part of the church, he speaks to the holy. He speaks through the Holy Spirit to people that can hear him, and so what, God is not coming back after government. He's not coming back after my fraternity. He's not coming back after any particular group. He's coming back after the church, hmm. and so we we have to judge ourselves locally at, at, and on the same criteria uh, universally. Uh, uh, how are we dealing with the least? Because Mm. that's who Christ came to deal Mm. with.
1: Sounds vaguely like Matthew 25. You know, if you you saw me in prison, what'd you do? If you saw me hungry... Gee, that sounds, that sounds like Jesus to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is a fantastic opening to where we're going with this. Uh, When we come back after a musical break, we're going to ask each of these pastors to discuss uh, what's going on in their communities and how their churches are serving their communities and the least of these. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv, the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And We are back, Warp and Roof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site, and you are joining us in the state of the church in Indianapolis today. Uh, Welcome to all who are listening live and to everybody who will catch our podcast later on. We are glad that you're joining us here today. Uh, We are sitting with a number of great pastors from around Indianapolis, and uh, we are going to be addressing in this particular section... Uh, In your experience, how do you see God working in your congregations and immediate communities? And so we're going to start this time uh, with Nathan Lugbill from Castleview. Nathan, tell us what you think about that question.
3: Yeah, how we see God working, probably a number of directions we could go. I think something recently, well, anything I'm sharing is going to be fairly recently. Uh, Something recently that I've been encouraged by is just the power of God's Word applied by the spirits to people's lives. Impacting day-to-day life. I know that's hopefully something we always look for in ministry. But I've just seen that, um, heard people connecting, whether it's job loss, uh, other other things that they're working through, connecting the word of God preached or taught, and speaking, even using vocabulary from Scripture, hmm. and interpreting, and kind of like you were talking about that matrix. How do I understand my life? How do I understand my circumstances? Right. And I and I see growth in doing that from god's perspective through his word and i see the spirit applying that so that's something i've been uh greatly encouraged by recently and i pray i pray that continues
1: yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) day-to-day stuff how does scripture apply man i Doesn't get any more basic, real, or very specifically true than that. That's a great stuff. That's great stuff. Uh, Don't ever sell yourself short, man. Just because you haven't been there but a few months, it's all right. We all had to start. That's a good thing. (laughs) He's on it though. Yeah, clearly he's on it. Absolutely. And and Shalman's not uh, not too far ahead either. You've been here for just a little bit of time, but uh, we are glad to hear your voice on this too. About your church, your community. How does your church serve the community you're in? Uh, One
2: by being the church of the community Uh, Lil Bethel um, may very well be the mother church of the area Hmm. and uh, we have food pantry Uh, we feed the homeless
4: Um,
2: recently uh, actually in 2017 we organized uh, a ministry at our church to uh, gather creatives and and spiritually minded persons Mm -hmm. to um, organize a community center Mm -hmm. that um, uh, is able to address the social needs Mm -hmm. of our community. Our community is in dire need of Mm -hmm. social services. Um, The interesting thing um, that's happening at Little Bethel is uh, our church is serving in a community that is rapidly changing. And so we're also trying to see if what we have to offer in many ways is feasible and how we can change what we're doing so as to transition with the community. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of my members come into the community for church. They don't necessarily live there. Again, I think I mentioned earlier about the high transit in our neighborhood. Um, Getting people to care about a community they don't live in Mm. is a difficult task. Mm. But our church has embraced it. Mm. And uh, we've been doing it since we've been in the community. Mm. And uh, it's something that has continued to thrive. We're not losing... Our, our gospel centric and word centered piece. We we preach worship. Uh, we make sure that anyone that comes in is treated uh, like family. Uh, but the the social piece is what we're really trying to key in on now.
5: You know, Mark, if if, if I may, um, uh, Pastor Rafford is, is is being extremely humble today. He has a twenty thousand square foot facility mm. uh, across mm. the street from his church. Wow with about 20 classrooms, a gymnasium, an upstairs track, a full kitchen, a stage. And he is, he is the church is, uh, I happen to know this because I'm out of that church years ago. But uh, uh, he, he, his church is well equipped for the very things he's talking about. So I, I really want to, he probably wouldn't have said it, and so I kind of want to throw that in. That that, that that church is a mother church in that community, and they have put the resources together. To be the social ministry right. in that in that in that community, and he and that that ministry to be is to be commended about that. This is a it's the only one of its kind in that community.
2: It is, and uh, if, if I could say, please, I'm sorry to cut ahead. you off, uh, one of the things that my predecessor, Dr. Troy Ladd, uh, wanted to emphasize for the church that that is not have a country club mentality mm-hmm. to build things just for the people that attend the church. There you an Exclusivity. There you that. go. Uh, we wanted to. It was his vision and, and mine to make the church a place for the people in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, with that, um, you're going to get some challenge, some pushback, because uh, there are some in the church who view themselves not just as members of the church but as stakeholders. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. They've made a financial investment. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And so uh, uh, those persons have been quite kind. Mm-hmm. So as to partner with the vision well, of, good. of the pastoral leadership <laughs> to to
1: to take what they're paying for and to give it away. This is a wonderful thing, though, and I, you know I think the most important word that you just used in, in all of the wonderful things you just said is the word "with." Mm. This consistency that you have in your church and making these transitions because it sounds like you've been making a few of them yeah. but you the word that you used with the preposition is so important that this is going on together yeah that's a wonderful thing we're so pleased about this and thanks for adding uh Clyde about uh what was what's going on there in terms of facilities Roger tell us from your perspective uh how do you see the church uh, your church in particular uh, engaging the community uh, at large
4: well, it's changed <coughs> excuse me quite a bit since we started because where we are has changed quite a bit. We in many ways essentially started out as a street outreach ministry doing a lot of work with addicts and prostitutes and people in distress. Amen. But, but that, that that area where we are has rapidly changed. Mm-hmm. And um so we're um our model has changed along with it in mm-hmm. lots of ways. Uh and Sometimes I get confused when we talk about how does the church serve the community because you have the church gathered and the church scattered. Mm. And uh, my essentially the way we serve the community is by building rooted gospel deep Christians to live their lives on mission with Jesus. We you know, our mantra is that each we want each of our people learning from Jesus how he would live their life if if he were they.
1: Mm.
4: So that they do everything in their life in a manner Jesus would do that do it if if were they, so where they are, their place of work, their neighborhood is a place of mission in word and deed. And then we have a deaconate which helps fund that. <laughs> if if somebody has a neighbor in need, we want to connect relation. We want that person to connect relationally with them. And if they don't have the resources to help with that, well, we have a deaconate at the local at the gathered church level to help that. Um, but that's essentially. Our method. We're also transitioning our group, uh, a community group ministry to a sort of a mini parish model where each community group, which is a home group that gathers, has a geography, a geographical boundary, and they can say to themselves, We are responsible before the Lord for the good of this area. Mm. To face it, to be aware of the needs, uh, whether that's the elderly or the impoverished or somebody in distress in some way, Mm. and we want to, as God
1: gives the ability to address that. Mm. So. You used a word uh, a moment ago, the D word. Uh, diaconate. Diaconate, yeah. Tell everybody, just so everybody knows that's hearing this, what that means.
4: A diaconate is just, uh, yeah, that's probably a denomination specific word for the deacon team, the group of men or men and women, depending on your church, that forms the deacons, which addresses strategically the mercy needs in the local church and in the community and hopefully helps fund them. There you go. I would say also in our local congregation, it's sensing some move of the spirit toward adoption and orphan care, foster care. We've had many of our individual families move that direction, and now we organize uh, care teams around that, which can even be responsive to the needs of uh, adoption agencies that are maybe or may not be Christian. But if there's a family that's fostering adoption, uh, uh, that has a need, we want to be able to come around that family strategically and, and help as we can.
1: This is a wonderful thing. You know, uh, Clyde, I'm hearing an awful lot about the Spirit and about Jesus. Uh, I don't know about you, but that's kind of encouraging.
5: Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm just sitting here trying not to just gawk at what he said. <laughs> you know, but that, but that, I, I am hearing uh, uh, the needs of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opening statement what is a ministry doing trying to find a way um, to meet the needs of people, and the needs of people are various. Yeah. He, this 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 man of God just mentioned uh, orphans. Mm-hmm. How much how much do we hear about that? Mm-hmm. Adoption, right? You know how, how much how much do we hear? He, he, he talked about his team uh, of of, of uh, as I'm assuming it's male and female in your diacnate. Mm-hmm. His his team of of leader he has a leadership team who understands that their role. Is is not only in the body of Christ, uh, rather in inside the congregation, but to the the mission field, the local mission field, and they understand that you cannot have successful ministry without your leadership team understanding the full scope of their of, of their role, because mm-hmm. pastors lead churches, but the churches do ministry. Pastors are interchangeable. But churches do the ministry. Mm-hmm. The members do the ministry, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm impressed with that, Roger. I am, but I don't want to take it all because <laughs> I'm excited, man. Yeah. I want. I just want to see people. I, I just. I, I. I love to see people uh, mm-hmm. implement Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm lecturing at. A, I'm lecturing right now uh, at a, at a church uh, here here in the city all week about the centrality of Christ in Scripture, and one of the major themes is that. God's greatest expression of himself is Christ. And if we say we're implementing God in anything, right? we're not, mm-hmm. if Christ didn't in it. Because mm-hmm. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So so everything that we say we're doing this ministry, if we say we're doing it for God, we've got to be able to locate Christ in it. Mm-hmm. The mercy, the kindness, the compassion the grace, mm-hmm. the unconditional love, which requires a condition. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit later. Yeah. You know, but uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm impressed, man. Yeah, this,
1: is, uh, this is a real joy for us uh, to be sitting uh, with pastors who are doing the work, mm-hmm. uh, who are leading their churches, and the emphasis on uh, seeing their churches do ministry. But along with the experience of, of maybe making positive inroads into the communities in which you live... How do you see yourselves dealing with the obstacles? If I could go around the table now uh, before our next break and and just hit each of you real quick, uh, what would you say would be the biggest obstacles that you all face? Maybe uh, highlight numbers one or two, maybe something like that. Uh, Shalman, could you start us off? Tell us uh, what obstacles you see. Maybe uh, piggyback on something you've already said or say something brand new.
2: Immediate obstacles, I would just say... Getting people to see it is getting people to
1: see it. See, what's the it?
2: The the envision that I see as a pastor for our community is that our church is open every day, ministering to the social needs of the neighborhood. Okay, respectively, those who live within the crosstown area every day. Uh, Having an obvious, visible presence every day and what that requires. Mm. Um, Money comes up. Um, But with that also comes up, manpower, some volunteerism, some higher help to make sure that those things are happening each and every day.
1: So the it is that your responsibility of teaching that to your people and right. them receiving and
2: getting it, getting them to receive that. Yeah. I, and I, don't, I think any pastor who endeavors to do any kind of ministry like mm. what we're trying to do is going to have that as an it. Excellent. Uh, uh, getting things from words to deeds is 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 difficult, but mm. it's it's a, it's a path that we all must take.
1: Words to deeds, man. That's a phrase that pays right there.
2: Yeah. Uh, Long term for our community. Um, I would say learning how as a church to exist in the re- within the reality of gentrification mm-hmm. um, everything downtown is coming north and uh, there's a lot of vacancy mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in not just my neighborhood where Poe is uh, uh, he sees it probably much more than I do with what's going on uh, down college mm-hmm. around those areas houses that were selling for Fifteen, twenty thousand are starting to be four or five hundred thousand dollars, and so um, uh, we don't want our social ministries to become obsolete because there are people moving into the neighborhood that, just being frank, don't need them.
1: Right. <laughs> yep.
2: Uh, and, and two, we don't want uh, those demographics who need those social ministries to be pushed out, so exactly. that. We can walk our Pomeranians down the street.
1: There you go. That's right.
2: We, we want to be able to be a church that 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 not only changes the community so that it is that okay. strong, prosperous place. Mm-hmm. But but I'm just being honest. But but we wanted to also be a place that, that mirrors what the Bible says. It mm. no church, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but if. If we're not looking at Acts chapter 4 and trying to become a place of organized <clears throat> philanthropy mm. to those who are poor without mm. and live in lack, mm-hmm. then we're ceasing to be the church if all of what we're doing is just preaching, singing, shouting and going home.
5: And building bigger barns. And
1: building bigger barns to warehouse people. Sounds like Acts 4, 32 to 37, oh. where everybody had... Everything. What they had their personal property. We're not talking about uh, Christian communism here. We're talking about folks who had their personal property, who then shared it with everybody in need. And you know, the Pomeranians, by the way, it's really important to understand that they are dogs. Walking your dogs down the street just so everybody knows. You know, well, that, that, it. that I've made it.
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, yeah. it, it just,
1: that's just good to disqual-
2: just to disqualify myself, I have one of those small dogs.
1: Oh. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Nathan, I want to hear from you. What do you what do you think about this issue? What are the, some of the biggest obstacles that you're facing in your community?
3: I think the obstacles. I mean, the biggest obstacles, again, at a basic level, are self centeredness, mm. uh, living life unto myself, mm. and I think in my, our context, there's maybe some cultural expectation or justification of that lifestyle, and ah. you know, people even have noted, you know, you went from the front porch to the back deck, you know, mm-hmm. fifty years ago, and and people pulling into their garage and just living isolated lives from one another mm-hmm. and feeling like, well, as long as I'm taking care of my own, my own family, mm-hmm. then I'm doing what I need to do. And life's hard enough. I don't need to think about others. So just that basic love of neighbor. I mean, when you have that cultural justification or expectation mm-hmm. combined with our own flesh mm-hmm. and our eagerness to indulge just my own needs. Mm-hmm. And I feel this myself, not just the sure. people. Yeah. Just that self-focus. I think for where we're at, that's probably one of the biggest obstacles, just getting a vision for eyes beyond myself and beyond my immediately natural relationships, friendships, or family.
1: Mm, the um, tendency towards sin, <laughs> just generally. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> yeah, what do you think, uh, Roger? What, what is the obstacle that you face uh, that, that's most prominent for you? Me, Your church? No, me. That's the (laughs) obstacle.
4: I think uh, leadership. (laughs) Um, Maybe in the local community, I would simply say an inhospitality to the gospel.
1: Mm.
4: It's not a suburban community. It's a little more progressive than maybe the suburban area, and therefore more suspicious in that way. And then probably in our people, fear and just the 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 rhythm of life that says I am a missionary with Jesus in my life, in word mm-hmm. and deed, that is slow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a discipleship issue, mm-hmm. which I which I started by saying, I'm the problem. It's a leadership issue. And we just have to continue to push in that direction over and over and over again. Because the inhospitality to the gospel is not going to go away, right? Mm-hmm. And if we're waiting for that to ease, that'll be a long wait.
1: Yes. So. Yeah. That's, that's the issue of discipleship and slowly getting it, getting it, Doctor Posley.
5: Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm listening to I, again. I cannot thank you guys enough for being here. This is just, this is awesome. I'm listening to Roger, I'm listening to Nathan, I'm listening to Shalman, and it, it, it came to my mind that the, the body of Christ is still struggling with a branding problem. But, it, wow. but, but But not just external branding, but the impression, the internal concepts of the church as to who we think we're supposed to be. Roger just mentioned that that, that, that uh, one of the obstacles that he's discovered in ministry, not necessarily at the place where you are now, but just as minister uh is getting people to understand that they should live their lives out as mission mission minded and you know relative to the branding I'm starting to ask myself, just listen to everybody, what do we think we're supposed to be doing hmm. when we say we're a christian hmm. I, I think television. And and some of history, some of some 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 false preachings, lies, misinterpretation of scripture. But I, I don't know where we lost the idea, or the fundamental essential truth, that to get saved, is to start to help save people. Mm. Wow! Christ said in Acts chapter one, when the holy after the Holy Ghost comes on you, you shall receive power. And that power is going to make you my witness mm. and somewhere along the line, I think we've got many people in the in the body of christ have gotten fallen so in love with the idea that Christianity is primarily supposed to just make my life better mm. I'm supposed to have more access to to the apple <laughs> you know and 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 certainly 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 john John rings true here. And in, 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 where he says, "Beloved, I wish above all things that thou prosper and be in health." But it's, it's amazing. Uh, we leave the last part out most often? As thy soul prospers, that you prosper and be in health. As your soul prospers, and 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 we and, and a prospering soul is is empathetic and compassionate to other people. Mm. God favors the work, and and I think somehow I think part of the problem. I think maybe a universal obstacle for leadership is is the idea that something else is more important than soul winning. Mm. Hungry people are the number one job of saved people. When you get saved, <laughs> getting people saved, getting people clothed, helping people out of prison. And I know that sounds so fundamental for people who are here and we're leaders, but uh, but I mean, let's really think about this. This brother just sat next to me and said, one of the issues that he had, it's an issue for me, it's an issue for all of us, yeah. is getting people to understand you're a missionary. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're a missionary. Mm. He called Christ called 12 apostles to make them missionaries. Mm-hmm.
2: If, if I could say something, you know, this past Sunday, um, you know, it's rare for me after Sunday service to engage with a member on something missionary. It's always something.
5: oh my goodness
1: boy that's a that's that's a really important idea and before you take that further we got to take a break sorry Uh, we're going to come back we're going to hit this idea about uh, how we are going to go about doing this not just as a collective but as personal uh, leaders in Christ's church and we want to specifically address uh, the issues of inclusivity and exclusivity when we come back you're listening to Warp and Woof Radio and Radio Next TV at the Cool Groove site we'll be right back we are back. Warp and Wolf Radio, Radio Next. TV at the Cool Groove site. You are listening to the State of the Church in Indianapolis, and we have a great group of pastors here today uh, discussing with us the issues that they face in their pastoral ministries and in the communities that they serve. And in this particular go-round, we wanted to address the issue of uh, this question, how do we maintain the exclusivity of the gospel? That is, when we say that, we're talking about Jesus, that there is no other uh, way to heaven but through him. The exclusivity of the gospel while offering inclusivity to sinners. How do we go about uh, that process? And so I'd like to reverse uh, the process here today and uh, start with uh, Dr. Posley and kind of go around the table to Roger and Nathan and Shelman. Uh, how do you deal with this exclusivity of the gospel and inclusivity?
5: You know, one of the ways to begin to deal with uh, this, Mark, is, is to not seek to disconnect from the crowd you may have been saved from. Mm. Um, we have the, the gospel is, is, is a call to salvation and out of the world and into a life of holiness. But it is not designed to set one at odds with the crowd he, uh, he or she uh, was recently delivered from when they accepted Christ they are uh, uh your assignment uh we have to find a way in the body of Christ to cause people to understand that uh when they are saved what they were saved from coupled down with the, the power of the holy spirit in them gives them an opportunity to to to, to have a group to minister to a mission field mm. uh you, you during the break you mission uh, you you mentioned um, about me and motorcycles and, uh, uh, people who know me personally know I, you know, I ride motorcycles and I have friends who ride motorcycles. Some of them are, um, uh, don't speak the King's English. Uh, they have their own form of, of expressing their concern over a matter, uh, that doesn't always include scripture.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're being so generous. <laughs>
5: and, uh,
1: and they and they're my friends. Mm-hmm.
5: Some of them they many of them uh, most of them have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Mm-hmm. some of them don't go to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them use some language that I, I would otherwise may not want them to use mm-hmm. uh, they, they ride motorcycles they and, but they love God, mm-hmm. they love God. I, I don't believe it's my responsibility as a Christian, let alone a pastor mm-hmm. to exclude myself, but instead, I feel like I have an obligation to them and other other groups I'm a part of you know I, I, I play golf, I bowl. Uh, To make sure that those groups know what God expects from a Christian who golfs or who bowls or who rides motorcycles. Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. only way that people are going to really believe that they can have what they quote, have a quote unquote normal life and be saved is for saved people, uh, to not pull themselves out and act like we have this exclusive club, Mm -hmm. but to live our lives, and it's gonna shock some people, but in the world. Mm Without being the world. Mm -hmm. Ministry takes place in the world. People who are lost, broken families, hurting husbands, people who have been molested, they're in the world. And so people who have hurting families, broken families, hurting, uh, have been molested, who are in the church, Mm -hmm. have to maintain um, uh, exclusivity without uh, uh, being so inclusive that we forget these people. Yes. No, no. We, we Our job is is, is is the work is in the in, in the world. Mm-hmm. The work is in the world. That, that's just the way it is. There it is. The work is in the world.
1: So so. Roger, from your perspective, exclusivity of the gospel and without losing the inclusivity of sinners.
5: Well,
4: I'm comforted by the fact that one of the things the gospel excludes from salvation is me. And so by that I mean that like if I'm in Christ, it's because I've been rescued in spite of myself. And when, with that firmly in mind, as Brother Clyde here just said, we real i mean, the gospel then doesn't create a barrier from the world; it creates a love for it mm-hmm. in the right way, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not—I didn't have—I didn't come to Christ by getting cleaned up. Therefore, nobody in the world is going to come to Christ by getting cleaned up. And uh, the exclusivity of the gospel, in part, means all of your cleaning yourself up is excluded. So I'm, I'm free from that.
1: It's a great
4: statement. And that allows us to be in the world, just to be mm-hmm. where we are. Mm-hmm. And as far as the exclusivity of Christ, theologically, i have never concerned about that. The gospel is a stumbling block. If you are committed to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, there are going to be people who find it offensive, uh, foolish, or life-giving power. Mm-hmm. And that's up to the Holy Spirit. I, that's out of my Yep. That would be punching above my weight class to, to figure that <laughs> part out. But I just think that it, actually in some ways exclusivity of the gospel is quite comforting to people because it's it's not so broad. I mean, you're so broad you never know quite know for sure, you know, am I accepted with God or not? In Christ, you are.
1: Yes. Uh, that's what I had to say. The problem with inclusivity is its definition. Because if you start with inclusivity, then you're left with the question, who gets to decide who's included? And then, by what standard will you decide who's included? The exclusivity has to precede inclusivity because the exclusivity already sets the standard and it already says who.
4: Yeah, so that's another thing I was thinking. Sorry. Good. I think that in some ways, the gospel is completely inclusive. Anybody can come in. There you go, yeah. If they come in through Jesus. Yeah. So, that gives me hope operating in the world. I mean, I get, I got to come into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's hope for anybody else. So, and the only way that's given to them is through the communication of the gospel by God's
3: people.
1: Mm-hmm. Great word. Thank you. Nathan, your perspective, exclusivity, inclusivity of sinners.
3: Yeah. I preaching through the gospel of Mark and I've been struck by how you see both of those in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you see Mark chapter 2, it's tax collectors, sinners, people are embraced who are shocking the religious authorities. They can't believe that they would be included. Mm-hmm. And so just the extravagance of God's grace, of his inclusion, and feeling that. And then at the same time, you get into chapter 3, and Jesus has very hard words confronting the Pharisees, and even his own family members, relatives, uh, who are not receiving him at that time. And they say, your family's outside. He said, who's my family? He said, no, my, my family are those who do the will of my father. Mm-hmm. So there is even in Jesus, as inclusive as he is, like uh-huh. Roger said, anyone yeah. can come, but it's only those who come. Mm-hmm. Anyone is welcome, mm-hmm. but but they do have to come. Mm-hmm. And so for those who don't come, there is a, a distinction. And I feel myself that tension wanting to be inclusive rightly, as Christ would be. Yes. God's love open to all. I am want to stay in those circles that God has put me in. And I don't want to leave those because I'm in Christ. I want to be in them all the more because I'm in Christ. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, out of love, I don't think clear lines are um, wrong or unloving. I actually think they're loving. Mm-hmm. And, and we could we could talk more about that. Something we say a lot at our church is the gospel is for sinners. Well, mm-hmm. that's that's for everybody. Mm-hmm. And we are a church of sinners, exclusively made up of sinners. Mm-hmm. But... We are repenting sinners by God's grace. Mm. So that's the distinction that has to be made. I, I share the gospel with you as the same need you have, I have. Mm. The distinction is, will you receive Christ? Will you turn from that sin? And so that's where the line is. And Paul makes that clear. You think of uh, 1 Corinthians 5, you got the church discipline, and he says, you need to treat this one as an outsider. He said, "Now I'm not talking about get away from sinners in the world or you'd have to leave the world. There you go. There are sinners everywhere. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm talking about the one who bears the name of a brother or mm-hmm. of a sister. Mm-hmm. And so there is a different expectation, a different treatment of someone who, who claims that name mm. than my next-door neighbor who, d- who doesn't even claim Christ to say, I'm going to love them. I'm going to spend time with them. I'm not going to hold them to that standard. I'm going to point them to Christ. There you Whereas go. my brother in Christ, I'm going to call him to repent and to live up to that profession.
1: You, you mentioned a very important idea that relates to, to football season. Um, You know, we're in the playoffs now, so uh, we are very concerned about footfalls on the white chalk and boundaries and referees and calls on the field. And the exclusivity that we find within the sporting arena, that is that there are certain rules to follow and boundaries that, that encapsulate our play. We have no problem with that. But all of a sudden, if we find boundaries in other places, we say, this is wrong somehow. And that's not right to say that's wrong. The exclusivity we find in every single aspect of life, we're going to all stop at the stop sign, leave in this place. There's an exclusivity. Sean, bring it now. Tell us from your perspective, exclusivity, inclusivity. Uh, we, um,
2: if you look at Matthew 5, uh, I think it's 13 through 15, Jesus talks about uh, <laughs> your salt and you are light light is obviously different Mm -hmm. than darkness salt is not sugar (laughs) they look the same that's great but they are not the Mm -hmm. same
5: Mm -hmm. that's good
2: Uh, Christians have to live differently talk differently act differently than people in the world while at the same time Living in harmony within the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think the church is at its best when you have, this is going to sound some kind of way, but I'll say it. When we have human beings being Christians Mm. and not saints. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Does that make any sense? Absolutely.
2: When when we're human as we live out this Christ walk, Mm -hmm. It does more preaching than preaching does preaching. There it is, yep. Uh, and I think it reaches people and attracts people. Mm-hmm. Um, For the, the last break, I was I was going to talk about a member of my church, a millennial, mm-hmm. who if you saw him in church, you would not think that he was a disciple. After church Sunday, brings in his frat brother from college, just walks him in my mm-hmm. office. Closes the door. They both sit down. He introduces me to his friend and says, Pastor, he's not saved. And I don't want to leave this room until he comes to an understanding knowledge so that he can come to a belief in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Wow. And as awesome as that was, Mm -hmm. his friend doesn't look to shame. No. His friend looks at me and says, I want what he has, All right, but I want to understand what it is. There you go. That's cool, man. I've been pastor for 22 years, mm. and
1: that was my first time mm. seeing that. Man, I'll tell you what. Eyes are welling up around the table <laughs> on that one. That is such a cool thing. That's, that's well, powerful. Dr. Posley, uh, tell us uh, from your perspective, bring it home here before we go to our next break.
5: Yeah, the, you know, it, I just wrote in my notes Matthew chapter five. I just written that before he got wow. to you at the table, so I know the Holy Spirit is working here. I, I want to go kind of go back to to what uh, Nathan was saying because he, uh, uh, with all the profundity happening at the table, uh, Nathan was, chose not to be left out. He 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 said that that we have to include, but um, we have to. There has to be lines, and their and, and their love lines. We have to give boundaries, and those boundaries are are light. That's the very place that we that we run into our biggest confrontation with people who don't really want to come to Christ or don't really want to come receive it our way. Yeah, they they want very often. I don't want to be too general, but very often they want us to allow them. To practice Christianity on their terms, and we cannot. Mm-hmm. And that's and, and Nathan, I think you were kind of alluding to that. I, I want to be where you are. Mm-hmm. I don't want my Christianity to make you think I'm above you because, and I'm not above you. I've just made some decisions that you haven't made yet. Mm-hmm. But I, I have an obligation to try to live holy, and I have that obligation first to God, but and then to myself, but also to you. You need me to show you the difference, right? You need a boundary, right? Or you because without rules, without instruct you don't really know what the difference between salt and sugar is, right? mm-hmm. and, right. and 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 you don't really know the difference between salt and sugar. So look, you have to taste it, taste mm-hmm. it. So you have to find out. And so my choices are me giving you a taste of what of what you, and, and, and sometimes it's a taste test. You may not really want to be a Christian yet. Right. And so my behavior, my choice not to uh, go off on this waiter or not to um, get even with this person who has wronged me, may be the very thing that you see that tells you, no, if you're not ready to try to do this, you may not want to. Because this is what Christianity is. I thought that was profound. You guys, I'm I'm blessed to be here, man. Mm -hmm. This is a fantastic
1: roundtable. We have great folks here sitting around this table with us. Uh, if you didn't get the idea yet, uh, we're we're Christian men up here, and uh, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sin, rose again from the dead, lives for us today. And uh, we're talking about the great issues that uh, contribute to the church in general, uh, but specifically to our local congregations. When we come back from the break, we're going to be addressing the question: How can we unify ourselves considering the separations? Of ethnicity, denomination, age group, socioeconomic status, individual churches, sprawling communities in Indianapolis. Oh my word, is it going to take us till the next break Thank to take care of all of those things? You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio and Radio Next, at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. Does that mean next and we are back. Warp and Woof Radio, Radio next. TV, the no, Cool Groove know. site. Uh, this is a fantastic uh, group of folks that we got here today. Post, uh, pastors from around the Indianapolis area who are doing good in their neighborhood. And uh, we have asked them to come together as a state of the church in Indianapolis. It's been a really fantastic opportunity to have some great questions going on. And uh, we've really, uh, in some ways, I suspect, saved the hardest one for last. How can we unify ourselves considering the separations of ethnicity, denominations, age groups, sociological, economic status? individual churches and sprawling communities around indianapolis that's a huge mouthful by itself and i have a sense that we're gonna to have to end it there just because of our time uh... sequencing here but nonetheless uh... we want to make sure that we give everybody full voice on this one because it is such a broad question so uh... let's start with shalman uh... over on the other end of the table and give us a sense from your perspective shalman uh, how do you address this you can take this any direction you want to go because it's such a huge question, man. Uh,
2: yeah, it is a big one. I would say that um, clergy needs to push more towards becoming friends and not colleagues. All right. Um, being a pastor, you know, it's it's a calling, but it can be uh, regarded as a trade, mm-hmm. in the sense that there are particular skills that one needs to to do it the right mm-hmm. way. I mean, you need to be called, but you need to be anointed and those kind of things. But you need to develop something for God to anoint. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and so, uh, getting together to talk shop is one thing. Going to conferences, and yep. Sitting in the same rooms and learning from mm-hmm. professors and mm-hmm. conferenceers—that's one thing but we need to do things together in the real world mm. uh, and try to to form some real friendships. Mm. Uh, one of the things I've been uh as of late actually in this city um, I've had a opportunity to to meet uh some white pastors and to meet for non-church things. There you go. All right.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I just think that's important. Mm-hmm. trying to get us to have church together.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We go there, and I get it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> but it's forced, mm-hmm. and no one mm. should be told who they have to have church with. Mm. If it doesn't happen organically, if it doesn't happen naturally, okay. it's going to be forced. Yep. And in the case of the Christian church, it is fake. Mm. <laughs> He's laughing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know,
2: we want to see a blended church. And when it when it's blended naturally, when it's yeah. supernatural, yeah. it works. But when we say uh, uh, Reverend Jackson, Reverend Johnson, let's bring our churches together mm-hmm. and and have church for that one time out of the year mm-hmm. which is usually Black History Month or <laughs> Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday uh-huh. mm-hmm. it's forced we go mm-hmm. home
3: mm-hmm.
1: and we
2: mark it on our calendar for the next year mm. put on fake smiles
1: <laughs> and we,
2: we try to learn songs we don't know mm-hmm. and it's awkward Yeah. but when you're friends first mm. it doesn't matter
1: man I'm telling you this sounds like marriage you're talking about marriage marrying your best friend kind of thing right <laughs> yeah it's
2: yeah. yeah. That
1: way? Yeah, that's good. This is a way. good word. This is a tremendous beginning to to say that uh, maybe we should all become friends. And honestly, it's if I could be open and honest with all of you, uh, it's one of the reasons why I bring you together is so that I hope that these that friendships develop out of even this group of men here today. So Nathan, uh, you know, jump in uh, on that particular question. How how do you address this from your perspective?
3: Yeah, short answer is I don't know. Um, <laughs> sincerely i i've i've been i think in white evangelical america the last mm-hmm. year or two there's been more conversation at least from my vantage point on this issue than there has been in in my memory mm-hmm. um and that's good and it's hard and it's encouraging and it's discouraging and uh w- where i'm at not speaking on behalf of others is uh, just just a place of being humbled and mm. uh, grieving mm. over ignorance and mm. lack of appreciation w- of what brothers and sisters in Christ have experienced and walked through uh, that i just have not mm-hmm. and that my parents did not and my mm-hmm. grandparents did not now i'm I'm excited at what I'm learning from talking and reading from those brothers and sisters because I think they're an example of of how to live as a Christian in the face of persecution or in the face of uh, injustice. Uh, but where I'm discouraged is it, it, it can feel, even in the midst of trying to have that conversation, I just, the weight of it, it just, humanly speaking, it just feels impossible mm-hmm. to get uh, not to a place of just civility, but to a place of brotherhood mm-hmm. and of love. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Personally, I was just sharing that with my wife uh, over Christmas break. You know, I was feeling that, listening in on the conversation, and mainly that's what I'm doing is I'm just listening, reading, and uh, it was just a, at a point of real discouragement. But I know, like you said earlier, we know the truth. We know eschatologically what is reality. Mm-hmm. We know that we are one. Mm-hmm. Um, but how to live that out? It's something I have more questions than answers right now.
0: Yeah,
1: well, that you know, certainly, uh, I don't know are some of the most freeing words in the English language when put together, and it certainly is an emphasis and a demonstration of humility. It, all of us uh, need to walk those roads for sure, uh, Roger. From your perspective, uh, how do you see this? Uh, answer this question.
4: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't specifically. I think that I struggle with. I don't know what it looks like at the corporate level. Mm. I know what it is to hang out with a good friend, but how that translates mm. or reverberates into the mm-hmm. larger corporate body, mm-hmm. frankly, is a, a, a little bit confusing to me. Because especially there's so many feedback loops in the church, and things are the way they are because they they are. <laughs> They've been that way, and those structures become invisible. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to unearth them. So I think you just, I mean, uh, I want to reaffirm what Shalman said. I mean, we've got to be working together at the friendship level Mm -hmm. um, and encouraging our people to know people and love people who don't look like the person in the mirror, Mm -hmm. whether that's age, uh, uh, race, or social demographic, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, then, sort of, in a top-down way, I think that probably intentionally trying to deconstruct as much Jesus and identity, what, whatever. Like, so Christian, you know, to try to not identify, I am a white Reformed Presbyterian Christian. Okay, one of those is a good adjective, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? In this context, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And um, it, because I think as we we layer these things on, and then we then we're sort of only being able to relate to each other on those external layers. Mm -hmm. And I can relate to you if you happen to share the same theological preconceptions that I do and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, we want to do all the way down to, and and Nathan mentioned earlier, really working hard at the sort of the Christian nationalism, so to equate your faith and your your American citizenship and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how I would, I think we have to go about it from the, the outside in and the inside out, it's got to be friendship. But even at that, I'm not sure how it translates on into the larger corporate structures of the church.
1: This is a difficult issue, and I, I hope that by doing something like this, uh, and really on a regular basis, actually, and of course, uh, with Clyde and I joining uh, as hosts uh, together now, this I think is going to be demonstrated. But I'm always struck by this statement of Paul in 2 Corinthians 3 2, where he says that your epistles. In our day, it would be emails known and read of all men. I mean, we are out there. People see us together. They see us sitting with each other having lunch together. They see us walking down the street together. They see us uh, perhaps spending time together in other kinds of venues. Uh, this has got to be an attractiveness uh, to others outside and perhaps addresses the issue of the corporate level. But, Clyde, uh, your thoughts on this?
5: Yeah, I I think, uh, and and, and I'm blessed by all of what what has been said here. You know, at at the core of the the unifying question, despite denominations, despite ethnicity and gender, is is our uh, is Christianity's poor stewardship of the otherness of people. Mm. Uh, At at James chapter four said, "From whence come wars among you? Don't they come from the lust that you have, because you you want something and you don't know how to get it, so you fight and you kill." Uh, to get it Um, heaven let me get eschatological and and then come back heaven is going to be an ultimate expression of God stripping us from what we worked what we had to work at at the beginning there's no flesh in heaven so there's no otherness he's going to take away the barriers of what we saw of our class of our gender all all these things there's no marriage That he's going to take all that stuff away, mm-hmm. and have, but 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 to get there, we got to steward it. And so, what the body of Christ has got to figure out is how we can make Christ truly uh, transcendent to our sight. If we are supernatural people, we cannot let our nature rule us. And when, because you're black. When you, you being black is is the largest part of my decisions toward you, mm. then I am being natural. Mm. My eyes are leading me. Mm. And because you're white and because you're white, if I'm letting the fact, what I see, be how I choose to serve or serve not, or fellowship or not fellowship, then I am being a natural man. And I need to accept the fact, uh, whether man, woman, boy, or girl, I need to accept the fact that when I let... My my prejudgments of you become more important than my supposed commitment to Christ, which is to love you. I am saying I'm too natural to be supernatural here. Mm. I just can't do it. Mm. And so and here's the problem. Heaven doesn't look like what, we, what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, heaven's going to look more like this. The truth, the, tr- the truth of the matter is, you're going to be in heaven next to people, and you're not going to know if they were black or white in heaven. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: And interestingly enough, the way we're going to get there is to decide to make it not a priority before we get there. <laughs> <laughs> because if we can, if we never learn mm. to love to to the degree mm-hmm. that we stop making what we see a priority, we, we, we may be telling people we we, we hadn't really met Christ yet. Mm. Because Christ says, I mean, just 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 to be as plain as I can be, love ye one another, and by this shall all men, shall all men know. And you if know. you, if a person, if I can't love you because you're white, then I am saying I still am not spiritual enough mm-hmm. to love you like He wants to. Because if He's assigning me to love you, mm-hmm. we're hosting a show together. Mm-hmm. You're a white man. I'm a black mm-hmm. man. If I, if he's assigning me to love you, he is saying I know he's white, I know he's black, but your assignment is to love this person, mm-hmm. and if you can't love that person, you, you're not. Christ made a history of ministering to the otherness of people. Mm-hmm. He went to the well on purpose. Mm-hmm. He went to the well on purpose. In the Old Testament, he sent Jonah. We think often we we, we present Jonah as though it is some story about a, a well. The story of Jonah is God sending people, sending Jonah to a people that Jonah hated and hated Jonah. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. yeah. That was an, a, a, a foreshadowing of God's intent of grace mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. It's not about a whale. It includes mm-hmm. a whale.
3: Yeah.
5: Yeah. It's about God telling Jonah, and it's also about Jonah telling God, I'm not doing it. hmm I don't like him, and I don't like that you like him. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Yep,
5: I hate those. <laughs> I got an issue with you, God. Not only do I not like him, why do you like him? That's right. Consider what the Ninevites have tried to do to us. Yeah, and so we have got to get to the place where we express true Christianity by confronting what we don't always like or are not used to.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah.
5: Yeah, there's some prophetical butt-kicking going on in that passage,
1: isn't there? Uh, <laughs> Roger, I, I missed your hand up. Just oh, yeah, pause.
4: I was just thinking that. We frame, we often frame the question and the orientation of how do we achieve unity mm-hmm. when the robust truth in which we live is Christ has died <laughs> and brought unity and we must submit to it.
1: Mm.
5: It, it already exists. It does. Mm-hmm. Jesus, Absolutely.
4: Jesus spilled his blood for the existence of this one family. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we uh, we don't have to figure out how that's... It's already happened. Mm-hmm. We must now submit to that reality and the power resident within us through the Spirit mm-hmm. that com- brings us in line with that. And... Uh, I think that's a more helpful just approach Mm -hmm. to this. And I think of the John 17 passage where Jesus tells those who would believe in him through their word that the world will know that I came from the Father by the fact that you have unity with each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which I, by the way, I created for
5: you. All you have to do is walk in A big (laughs) problem is we're working against what has been provided for us Mm -hmm. through the death, burial, resurrection and application of the blood. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're fighting against it because our flesh is too much a part of our Christianity.
1: One of the great doctrinal passages uh, is the book of Ephesians, of course, the wonderful great doctrines of grace coming out of Ephesians. But one of the things that kind of piggybacks on Roger's good thought here is that passage in Ephesians three fourteen to 15, that we're all one body and we're from the same bloodline. We're human beings, going back to the phrase that Shalman used earlier, that we are all human beings, and that we ought to approach life in that way rather than uh, some kind of external uh, categorization of whatever it is that we see around us. We have way too many Christian naturalists running around. You know, naturalism has basically shackled us in its view, and its worldview, and we now succumb to it simply by seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, whatever, because that's our world in which we live. You know, this is a difficulty. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, and I, I was thinking of the Ephesians 2 passage where uh, Paul talks about the, I don't have it right in front of me, but the, the two being wa- made one new man. But we were, we were aliens and strangers to the covenants of promise. And unless, you know, we're talking about people who are... Uh, naturally Jewish from the first century. Mm -hmm. We're all foreigners to the Covenants of Promise. (laughs) None of us have an inside track and have the Covenants of Promise as a a home base for us. Mm -hmm. And we probably should have a little bit more sense of wonder and thankfulness of our standing in the body of Christ. Uh, And I think that would make it a lot easier to be able to say... You too. We get to be in this thing together, and uh, it, we don't have territorialism then in the body of Christ. Right. We have shared, uh, we are both orphans, and we both got adopted. Isn't right. that
3: awesome? Isn't that awesome? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. This is a good thing. Good thing. Uh, go ahead.
3: Yeah, one, one way that we've, that I've tried to talk about this and connecting these dots for our people is what is reality? There's a supernatural reality mm. that if we just see what is in front of us, mm. we're missing actually reality. Mm. And the reality is that we are one in Christ. And so therefore, kind of rubber meets the road, how do I interact with others? How do I view others? I should see a 68-year-old Middle Eastern woman who struggles to speak the same language as me, but is a sister in Christ, Mm -hmm. as my family. Mm. Now, my buddy next door, who's (coughs) the same age and he's white and he likes football, Mm -hmm. it's easier to hang out. It's more natural to hang out with him. But it's not, there's nothing supernatural about that interaction. Right. So sure, we can hang out, but he's not my brother. He's not mm-hmm. my family. She mm-hmm. is my family. Mm-hmm. And then to, to reflect that in the way we interact and the way we pursue, even in a church Sunday morning, say, who am I going to go after? I can go after the person who's like me, and, and that's fine. And they might be family too. But given the choice, all else equal, wouldn't it be a, a better display of what Christ has done To pursue that person who is not like me, Mm. wouldn't that be the supernatural community that God's already (laughs) created? Wouldn't it be better reflected by me pursuing that? And it's so hard to convince myself and... And then, and then as a church, to live that way. Mm-hmm. But, but it's beautiful when I see little glimpses of it. Yeah. I get excited.
1: And this is a, a, certainly a glimpse of that sitting around in this room here today. I, I wanted to take us all back to First Testament teaching here, Old Testament, uh, Leviticus chapter 19. All of what we're talking about right now is out of Leviticus 19. Where did Jesus get this idea that we're supposed to love God and love our neighbor? Leviticus 19, my second favorite book in the scriptures. Ecclesiastes is number one, just so everybody knows. But Leviticus, man, Leviticus 19, there it is. So from the earliest aspects of God's people being on earth, being chosen, being uh, enwrapped in God's covenantal care, uh, we have these great words. I wanted to ask if, uh, I know we're coming down to the end here, we'll be closing out in a few minutes, Um, and I'm going to ask something of preachers I know that's just going to grate against every fiber of your being to give us in 30 seconds to one minute, 30 to 60 seconds, a closing word. If you were going to, how do you want to, about anything, about anything we've discussed, anything we've talked about, the things that uh, matter most to you in this discussion, or something maybe that you didn't get a chance to say already, uh, 30 to 60 seconds, what is it that you would like to leave? And then uh, uh, Dr. Posley and I would uh, just, you know, we'll share a word together here right at the end. Um, okay. Sh- okay, we're going to ask Nathan to go first. <laughs> Nathan to go first. Thirty to sixty seconds. Yeah
3: these these conversations are encouraging. Solutions are bigger than what any one of us I know can provide naturally. <coughs> but I'm I'm helped by as we're talking just to be reminded of an emphasis on Christ and His gospel mm-hmm. and working out from there. When we, when I go back there. I find hope. Mm-hmm. I find confidence for the future for what he is doing and what he will do because of what he's already done. Mm-hmm. And so, when I focus there, then I'm filled with
1: hope. Mm. That's a great word, filled with hope. A great uh, punctuation point here, uh, Shalman. What do you think about this?
2: I was just reading First uh, Peter.
1: I was just reading First Peter uh, one, verse three.
2: What we've talked about today, we will see. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
2: but we have to remember that we're kept until we see it. Mm. So uh, we need to hold fast to him and continue to hope mm-hmm. that through efforts like these, mm. that, that one day we'll see the kind of unity we're looking for. Mm. And uh, these kind of moments encourage me to that end.
1: Mm. Yeah, this this issue uh, really m- makes me always uh, remember the great question, uh, what do I if I get everything I want out of this what is what does that look like, and what it looks like is the passage you just read, first wow. Peter chapter one. Wow. What do I want it to look like that's what I want it to look like, and until that time, we're moving in that direction, as Roger Well said earlier, submitting to this unity that's already been provided for us, Roger, from your vantage point, uh, th- thoughts here to uh, end our session today
4: in Christ, there is great. Power available to us to serve Mm -hmm. and love well, maybe not to get all we want, certainly not to get all we want Mm -hmm. in this chapter, right? Mm -hmm. All we want is coming. Uh, And as we conceive of ourselves really as those who are walking in loving union with Jesus and learning from Him how to live life as He would if He were we, we actually can take real tangible steps toward that. Here and now, it's slow, it's fraught with difficulty. We have to walk in humility and a lot of repentance. But there is tremendous power available from the Spirit to us for the very things we've talked about.
1: Mm. Power in the Spirit. Dr. Clyde Posley.
5: Yes, sir. You know, uh, I'd like to thank everyone for being here today. Very quickly, you said 30 seconds. Jesus made it a point to go to the, uh, the woman at the well, she was ostracized he made it a point to go to the gentile daughter of jer Iris, and then the first miracle of the church i want to go back to after the coming of the spirit jesus brings two antithetical apostles together mm-hmm. to heal a man mm-hmm. he, he 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 brings the leaders he's just field mm-hmm. the two leaders that he knows are at the opposite ends of, of the spectrum culturally to come together for the first miracle Mm. that is a picture of what i believe god is requiring of us today and god is not going to be as pleased as he would like to be with the body of christ until the leadership like this comes together put themselves behind and bring the needs of people to the forefront to implement christ at every opportunity Mm -hmm. this is a great not i won't say a great beginning but this is what has to happen. God bless all you men.
1: One of the things that uh, has struck me always since we've started this radio program is the necessity of bringing black and white leaders together. And uh, I've been committed to this for a couple of years now in our radio show. And uh, as we began to talk about uh, some of these things, uh, Clyde Posley and I discussing some of these things on air, actually. Uh, it just became so obvious to the two of us uh, that the spirit was moving between us as uh, becoming friends uh, very, very quickly, and that uh, I just asked him in between a break, wasn't it, uh, Clyde, uh, would you like to join me as co-host? And what was your response? The Lord told me to say yes. There it is. I mean, just like that, bam, just like that. So uh, what do you see going forward? I'll give you another a minute here just to close us out today. What do you see going forward, not only between you and I perhaps, but perhaps within the church as a whole in Indianapolis?
5: Well, uh, the there are some struggles, some ills, some homelessness, some uh, uh, uh the murder rate and uh, I and and um teen pregnancy and all sorts of things that are that are happening. And the God's answer to pain and affliction in any culture is Christ. Mm-hmm. I see the our our collaboration Conversations like this and real relationships that form from it mm-hmm. as God's means of getting into places where it other... I've never been to Castle View. I I, did, I, did, I was not aware until Mark mentioned to me about uh, the New City Church. Uh, I do know Shelman. This is what has to happen. What, what I hope is happening in six months, a year from now, is we are all working together honestly, earnestly, to introduce our people to uh, to one another and to collaborate. Hungry people need to be fed regardless to who they're being fed mm-hmm. by. Prisoners need visits, need to be uh, need to feel the love of Christ mm-hmm. regardless. I want to do it with with people who are not just of my race.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: And that's what I hope to see from mm-hmm. here. And we are committed
1: to that on this particular radio show. Uh, we have been doing this for two years now. I just want to say thanks again to my brother H.B. Bell uh, who uh, between the two of us call each other our twin. Uh, that's uh, It's kind of a joke in one sense, but we are very much alike uh, internally. Uh, we're committed to the same uh, regard, the same direction, and the same purpose. So HB, once again, I'm grateful for you, brother, and for um, all of the love that we share uh, between us and the love that we're giving to other people bringing them into this radio show. Uh, You've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio. Uh, This particular session has been all about the issue of the state of the church in Indianapolis. You've been listening to four great pastors here address essential concerns around the table, but now will, of course, continue their work uh, throughout uh, the work in Indianapolis. We're grateful for their time today. Thank you ever so much, gentlemen, for being here, and thank you to your churches as well. Warp and Woof Radio, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Uh, next week, we will be dealing with uh, new and interesting issues as it relates to the next steps in the new year. And we are looking forward to that with my co-host, Clyde Posley. Welcome to the show, Clyde.
5: Delighted to be here, my friend.
1: All right, brother. And we will see you next time.
5: God bless you all.